On today's episode of the Private Practice MBA podcast, why as a business owner, you must pay attention to key relationships. There is no doubt about it. The business of medicine is sick. And that's why the team at Amelia Aesthetics created the Private Practice MBA podcast, where we unpack practical solutions to help plastic surgeons, residents, and even your private practice staff to go further, faster. I'm your host, Greta Nance, and each week on the podcast, we'll listen to and then break down a short lesson from our completely free business course found at theprivatepracticemba.com. Let's get started. My guest in the studio today is Robbie Poe, COO of Amelia Aesthetics, author, and one of the private practice MBA instructors. The lesson we'll be listening to today is all about the third responsibility of a business owner, owning key relationships. First, we'll hear from Robbie and then Dr. Jeremy Pyle, CEO of Amelia Aesthetics. Then after the lesson, Robbie and I will be back in the studio to discuss it. So in order to put your business on autopilot, the final core responsibility that you're going to have as the business owner will be to embrace relationships. More specifically, your team needs you to make space in your day to identify and cultivate key relationships for the future. Perhaps you've heard of the author Charlie Tremendous Jones. Now, Charlie, he dedicated his life to helping others get the most out of life. And y'all, he sold more than 2 million books in the process of it. Charlie truly understood the value of key relationships. And he had this quote he would always say. He would say, five years from today, you will be the same person you are today, except for the books you read and the people you meet. Of course, this principle isn't just relevant in our everyday lives. It's a critical factor to the long-term growth of our organizations. Because each and every time you genuinely and strategically create a new relationship with someone, you are creating the opportunity for growth somewhere out in your organization's future. Investing in future relationships, it's kind of like the huge garden that my mom plants every year. If you were to walk into her backyard in, say, early April, all you would see is a huge patch of empty dirt. You wouldn't see the countless hours of preparing and planting that had already happened. But if you came back in early fall, you would see hundreds of pounds of food that was ready to harvest and eat. That's how key relationships are. The practice of establishing relationships that could could help your organization achieve more isn't one that often pays off immediately, but it is one that you'll deeply regret not investing in on a regular basis. To get really practical with this idea, here are three basic steps that will put this practice on autopilot for you. So each week, here's what I want you to do. Just pick one person, just one person, and reach out to that person in a way that makes strategic sense and explain to them why a connection between your organization and themselves would be mutually beneficial. And be clear. Be clear about the benefits. Don't be shy. Shyness is always weird, especially if it's like via email, which is probably how you'll be reaching out to them. Be bold. Be clear. And ask them, are they willing to have a conversation with you? And then after you have that initial conversation, you may want to pass them to a different team member. 
right? Maybe you pass them to your business director, but to be clear, you still own and guide that relationship. But that doesn't mean you have to have every single conversation. If you do this, there is no better way, in my opinion, than to establish that connection via email. And in this email, your job is to make both people feel important and transfer your authority down to both parties. Now, on that last point, no one does a better job at this than Dr. Pyle. I want to read you an email that he recently wrote when he followed this process. And you're going to see really what a tremendous job he does of making these connections and then strategically taking a step back so that next week he can go and talk to someone new. This allows him to establish all those other relationships while not burdening himself with it one week right after another. But nevertheless, here's what he wrote in this email. Hey, Rachel, also on this email is Trevor Marlowe. You may have seen Trevor speak at the NCSPS meeting a few years ago, and he's on the schedule to be on your senior resident conference this year as well. Trevor is memorable in that he's educated and passionate and honest when he speaks. It's a strangely uncommon combination at our meeting, so he kind of sticks out. But he also has the knowledge and authority to do so as a, the result of being a leader within our organization. Trevor, Rachel is a sixth year chief resident at Wake Forest. She has a bunch of education and is headed to Baltimore next year for a fellowship in breast reconstruction. She is heading to Washington State thereafter and wants to start her own practice, and I encouraged her to do so. Rachel and I talked about her finding some time to visit us. It may not be until the spring because of her schedule, but I would love if you guys could talk for a bit beforehand. I'll stand down, but I'm here to help in any way I can. Most sincerely, Jeremy Pyle. Now, can you see what Jeremy did here? He took the authority that he personally held between himself and Rachel, and then he passed that authority down to Trevor. And now he gets to go back to his core responsibilities as Rachel and Trevor pick the conversation up from there. Of course, he will expect to get updates from Trevor and he will jump in if necessary, but in large part, the relationship just naturally churns as it's meant to and will most certainly produce some sort of fruit down the road for everyone who was involved. Establishing and cultivating these key relationships, this is one of the most powerful objectives that any business owner can take upon themselves. And it's one you'll not regret putting your time and your energy towards. Okay, Robbie, you did a great job of setting up the importance of this, but who are the people business owners should actually be looking to connect with? Yeah, I wish the answer to that question is three people and here they are. But unfortunately, that's just not the case because as a business and in the lifespan of our business, we're going to have so many different strategic initiatives that ultimately the key relationships that every business owner should be establishing today are, the are for the strategic initiatives that they can see happening someday. That like if if we have a strategic initiative this quarter, let's just say to add three skincare lines to the med spa, just making things up. This quarter is way too late for the business owner to start establishing 
key relationships. Like, obviously, they like they could give it a shot, but like the entire kind of like ethos around this idea of key relationships is build influence for your business before you need to cash that influence in. And it is really hard to build influence and immediately cash it in. It's like buying a house and then in three days trying to sell it for a profit. That's just not how it's how it works. And so like when when you think about this key relationship thing, as the business owner, remember you're a visionary, whether you think you are or not, and you're able to see into the future, whether you think that's a gift of yours or not. You became a surgeon. That's extraordinary. You had a 10 to 15 year vision. You can do this. So when it comes to your business, you look out one, two, three years and you ask yourself, what are the strategic initiatives that I can predict that we will be running into and wanting to accomplish as a practice in the next one, two or three years and then start today? Like, let's say, hey, in a year, I would really like to start focusing on skincare at the med spa. Start today establishing those key relationships that you can very clearly predict you're going to want to cash in that some of that influence with in a year when you want to start accomplishing that goal. The, the answer to that question is always, what are your future strategic initiatives? Those are the key relationships that you want to start thinking about today. You want to build a building in three years? You better start establishing some key relationships today. You want to add a surgeon partner in two years? You better start establishing those key relationships today. Awesome. How do most business owners struggle with this idea of owning key relationships? Oh, they hang on to them for way too long. So one of the most difficult things to understand and really to master until you've actually done it and seen it work, then you're like, oh, wow, it, it, actually, it actually makes sense. So many business owners, once they've established a key relationship, they can never get it off their plates. You know, we've all like been involved in practices to where like if 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 the surgeon owner establishes a relationship with one of the reps, then the rep just thinks they naturally can go straight to that surgeon owner. And that's the person who's making all of the decisions. But like we'll discuss when we get to the business director seat of, of our operating system, the business director has a lot more context and a lot more know how for most of the decisions that the rep is going to need answers too. And so it is up to the business owner to do a great job of saying, hey, I know that I established this relationship. I know that I told you the vision of where we're going. I know that I've built up a bunch of influence with you. Now we're ready to start cashing that influence in. And I'm going to transfer this conversation to my business director, who I talk to all the time. I'm just in surgery all the time. So they're going to be able to serve you way better than I ever would. She or he knows everything about what's happening with the practice that you can trust them to go straight to them and get the answers that you need. And those the, the those key relationships, they will never believe you. They will always try to go right back to you. And as the business owner, you have to stiff arm them and say, no, no, no. Remember, you need to go to my business director for, 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 for that need. And if I need to get pulled back in, they will let me know. It's such a difficult transition, but man, once you see it going well, all of a sudden, as a business owner, you can have you can be managing three dozen key relationships. You're still championing them. The business director is still getting your guidance and feedback on that relationship. It's not like you're a 
totally disconnected from it. You're just not the one who's having to do the one-to-one interaction. And so as a business owner, all of a sudden, you can be a busy surgeon and be managing three dozen key relationships at one time. Awesome. Well, that's a perfect setup for Dr. Pyle's very specific story of examples of how he does this in his day-to-day. So let's listen to what he has to say. I don't like for people to call me Dr. Pyle. Nothing but love for me if you're a physician and you ask everyone to call you doctor. It's just not me. I don't like it because it's, to me, feels kind of myopic. I mean, I'm a dad and a husband and a business owner and a whole bunch of other things, not just a doctor. I've just never considered my role as a physician as significantly more important than those other things. So I don't want it to be in my name most of the time. But there are some distinct advantages to that title. My wife is also a physician and because we completed our training at the same time, we needed to move to a place that would welcome both an anesthesiologist and a plastic surgeon. And when speaking with a friend and colleague with much more experience than I had, she suggested I just call the CEOs of the hospitals in the cities where we wanted to move, like big hospitals in big cities. And this person suggested I just call the CEO. I thought that was bananas. Much of residency, after all, is spent being treated like you're not capable of big decisions or big conversations. Those, it seemed, always and only happened at the attending level in academia. But I needed a job, and fear of not being employed was a powerful motivator. So I tried it anyway, and she was right. Every single call I made, maybe 15 in total, was promptly returned by the CEO I hoped to get just a moment of time with. Now, if I had called the CEO of a hospital as Jeremy Pyle, not Dr. Pyle, I'm not getting through. I've learned, though, that they will always return a call to Dr. Pyle. And that same approach works in a lot of other places. I've seen it in practice many, many times. People treat an email from Dr. Pyle differently than they do from Jeremy. Like, for example, my team got so sick of our EHR company ignoring important questions that we were asking. So I just guessed on the CEO's email and I sent a message relaying the problem from Dr. Pyle. He responded that night and we had two VPs solving our problem in 12 hours. Or as another example, the time when one of our suppliers held on to a check they owed us, a rebate check for four months. When I emailed their corporate counsel, miraculously, he responded to Dr. Pyle and the check showed up the next week. The more time I spend in my role as Jeremy Pyle CEO, the more strategic I've gotten about when to deploy Dr. Pyle and when to be Jeremy. But it is nice to know after all the work that we do to get where we're at, that we kind of always have that in the back pocket. I do. So do you. I used to feel shame about it. I used to be uncomfortable that my email signature carried weight. I didn't think for whatever reason at the time that I had earned that weight. But if we go back to where this conversation started, when I was a resident, and when I believe that only higher up academics should be having influential conversations, I was missing something important. We've worked exceptionally hard in medicine. We've made sacrifices most people either choose not to make or aren't capable of making in their life. 
if all of those 48-hour shifts, those missed holidays, the grumpy post-call interactions with my wife, if all of those things mean that we get a subtle benefit like authority with our email signature, that's fine. Influence is not something that requires guilt like I thought that it did. Young Jeremy had a habit of underestimating the idea that people might actually want to talk to him. They might actually want to collaborate with our team, or they might, in fact, really desire to have a good relationship with me and with us. And as foreign as that sounded to Jeremy, the resident, it is absolutely true to Jeremy, the 10-year vet. But there's nuance to it as well. If you use that influence that you worked incredibly hard to warrant, if you hang on to all of it for yourself, you're severely limiting its scope. Sometimes those relationships you began with your influence are not best for you to carry forward. And we've already spoken about the idea of opportunity cost, that there's only so much time, so many resources in the world. If you create the important relationships and also have to nurture them, you're going to have to stop doing something else to make room for those things. The answer to this problem is the one that Robbie details in his segment. Use your influence to open doors. Use those open doors to connect people that should be connected on your team and out in the world. Use your position of authority to transfer that influence to a person who's on your team and then get out of the way. Open a door, transfer authority to the folks on either side of that door and walk away. You'll be amazed how many more good things happen, how many more real conversations occur when you leave the room with a conversation that you helped set up. Leaning on this influence will be helpful regardless of your position in the world, whether you're a solo practice owner or the most recent hire in a huge practice or department. But we're going to dig in further on some very specific examples. And in our next video, we're going to talk about what to do about this seat of business owner who very often is the person to whom you're going to transfer authority if you're in a multi-owner situation. Um, it's so funny in hindsight now that I realize how many times Dr. Pyle has done this to me mm. without me realizing how in like intentional it was. Someone, you know, reaches out to him in the local community, asks him to sponsor or donate something. He attaches me to it, introduces me to that person, and is like, Greta would love to follow this through and help from the marketing side. And then that person and I just take it from there. I didn't realize <laughs> until hearing that example how intentional he was about doing this. Um, and he's so, so humble about it. Like when yes. he passes like a relationship to me, he'll, he'll always say something like, I just know that I'll get in the way or yeah. something like that, you know? And it's like, he's, he really has mastered the art. And I think it's just because he believes in it. Like, you know, he's not nervous about it anymore. Like rightfully so he probably was at first. And so you can really tell he means it. He's like, Hey, like, like I've done what I'm great at. It's time for someone else to do what they're great at now. Mm -hmm. It's very honoring. And it mm -hmm. makes me absolutely feel responsibility to continue that relationship yes. on his behalf, like at his level. So it's um, I love that example. And when he does it, he does it very well. Um, how would you recommend team members keeping the business owner updated then? Like how often, I didn't realize how often I should probably have followed up with him. Mm -hmm. Here's how this is going. But I also don't want to fill up his day with mundane updates as well. So is there yeah. a recommended cadence? 
this is like such a great example of how great leaders are also great followers. And so like if if you're the business owner is going to trust you to be a leader, if the business owner is going to trust you to hand off this, you know, very important key relationship that they felt like they needed to establish, then we have to be great followers and ensure that we keep our leader in the loop. It's like the only on you talked about being honored, like the only way to like return that honor to the person who showed it to us mm -hmm. is by making sure they know what in the world is going on because they might run into that person, that rep or whoever that it might be at an event or at a soccer game or who knows. And all of a sudden that rep says something like, hey, we've been talking about this, this and this. And the business owner is caught off guard and back on their heels. Like, why don't why don't I know any of this now? They look foolish or feel foolish. As followers who take these key relationship conversations from the we got delegated down to us, it isn't complex, which is why I think that sometimes it can get overlooked. It's very simple. Like, I don't know if there's one right way to do it, but the way I try so hard when Jeremy de delegates something down to me, that if I have a call, that I take copious notes during that call. And then as soon as I get off the call, I'll always, so you and I kind of live and die by our calendar and our time blocking. Mm -hmm. Let's say I have a 30 minute call with a key relationship that Jeremy delegated down to me. I will block 15 minutes after that call to write him an email. So that it's like, as soon as that call is over, I translate my notes from my whiteboard or a yellow pad or whatever, right into an email. And then immediately he gets updated. So maybe like, I don't ever want him to be surprised. Like leaders hate surprises, even good ones. And so I never want him to be surprised by a conversation that I had with a strategic relationship. Now, if I'm in like, if, if, if the day is just running away from me for whatever reason, maybe there's a, a team member issue that needs to be solved or something, at the very, very least, I will Slack him. I'll send him a, a text message. You know, we, Slack is a in team communication software we use. I will send an email or a Slack or a text message to him. And I'll just say, hey, just got off the phone with so-and-so. It was a good call. Can't wait to update you. So at least he knows, hey, everything's fine. And then if he ends up running into that person or whatever it might be before I can update him, at least he knows, oh, yeah, yeah, I knew that call happened. How did it go? And he doesn't feel foolish. And so, you know, it's just it's just the the it's just the right thing to do. If if I were to delegate a relationship down to someone else, I would expect to hear back from it. I took a lot of time and payroll to establish that relationship. I have my personal brand on the line with that relationship. At the very least, keep me in the loop on what's what's going on, because I'm probably going to have some feedback for you when I find out about the conversations or thoughts that you've got about that relationship. Mm -hmm. That's super helpful. OK, so now that we're wrapping up this kind of it's a six part series on the core responsibilities of the business owner. Today, we covered the third core responsibility. Mm -hmm. Next week, we're going to cover kind of a bonus episode about dealing with multiple business owners. Mm. But is there anything you'd like to wrap up or say to these business owners now that we've covered kind of these five podcasts and five lessons on how they should structure their day, delegate, and really make room for these three responsibilities? So I would just say, feel the weight of it. You know, especially like this key relationship one, you know, I think the other two are are pretty like self-evident. 
you know, and hopefully we just gave uh, some prods in order to, to implement them. But this key relationship one, you know, it falls into that, you know, Dr. Pyle has talked about the Eisenhower matrix and it falls into the important but not urgent. So it doesn't have any like emotion behind it. There's this really remarkable, it's this um, ancient Jewish story about this, this, this character that has followed throughout his entire lifetime. And when this character is young, the character does a few things that plants provision for his adult life. And that's what this key relationship thing is all about. It's saying, hey, I'm going to put some seeds into the ground today that I need to harvest in 12, 24, or 36 months. And as we all know, you can't put seeds into the ground today and pick a tomato off the vine tomorrow, you know? And so that's what this key relationship thing is. That's where I feel like we find the emotional weight in it, that we, we accept it as the responsibility that it is. Like we have a responsibility to our team and the, our future selves to do this today. Because what do they say? The best time to plant a tree is 30 years ago or today. And it's just like, plant the seeds today because you know you're going to have initiatives where you want to harvest the fruit from in 12, 24, or 36 months. So don't pretend like you don't. Sit down, figure out what those probably are, and start building those relationships today. So good. Well, business owners, this was all for you. If you want to go watch this entire lesson and this whole series, actually, you can always do that at the privatepracticemba.com for free just by setting up an account. And I already mentioned, but I'm excited about next week. It's kind of a bonus lesson and podcast we're going to do on how to deal with multiple business owners, because I know a lot of surgeons or business owners find themselves in this kind of two-headed dragon as we like to talk about, so I won't spoil it. But thank you for your time, Robbie, and I hope this was helpful. 